I want everybody to do something for me. Just cross your arms. Just leave them crossed. Just leave them crossed. Feels natural, doesn't it? Just to cross your arms. Now, I want you to cross your arms the other way. It takes a while. Leave them cross the way you never cross your arms for a moment, would you? That's called a paradigm change. And when we normally don't do what I'm doing, you stay there awkwardly, go back to our normal way of crossing our arms and we reverse it like this. Hold the reverse, hold the reverse, hold the reverse. You know how long it takes to change something? We say 21 days, actually it takes over 70 days. And you have to be disciplined, you have to be determined, you have to work at it, you have to see the advantage of it. It's hard, long, grueling work to change just how we normally cross our arms. Do you get it? You see how if I told you tomorrow, you decided I'm gonna keep my arms crossed this new way, and I'd, I'd say cross your arms, we'd go back to our old way. You have to work at it. Change is not easy. We as a Western culture have been sold a bill of goods, we've been exploited, we've been lied to, we've been fleeced, we've been conned into believing that postmodern psychological counseling is a way we can figure out how to live, how to parent, and how to get married and stay married effectively. It's a total lie that universally counselors, psychologists, psychiatrists have bought into. Postmodern psychological counseling came from the father of modern psychology, Sigmund Freud. And then Sigmund Freud had Dr. Spock. We brought our children up, we bought Dr. Spock. Dr. Spock said, you know about the spoon and we went through Dr. Spock and then there was George Brothers and all of them based what they fed us over and over again on determinism. In other words, your life and my life is pretty well established by the time we are three or at least by the time we're eight and that's the reason that I was poorly toilet trained improperly, therefore I have this possessiveness or, or I was abused or whatever happened. I went to a family that was divorced, therefore that's the reason I can't make commitments. You see how all this works? There's a zillion different combinations of this postmodern psychological counseling that have been fed into us and therefore I can't help it. I just don't follow through on things just because and they spend a lot of time and a lot of our money sometime helping us figure out why we're like we are. And ladies and gentlemen, 
It's all phony, non-scientific, not a single syllable of Sigmund Freud's idea of the philosophy of life has been proven. In fact, most all of it has been disproven. And we don't even know that. The counselors are still back in the dark ages and they bought into the same lie that we have been believing, most of us, for a long, long time. Parenting, marriage, prior to 1960. Look at marriage, look at kids, look at the nuclear family. What was the condition? If you were not there, look at history. Totally different than where we are today. When we begin to buy into all of this Freudianism that really is determinism, that really is based on a atheistic view of life, there is no God. Now, what is the answer? It's the answer that we go back to a Judeo-Christian foundation of life. The Bible tells us what marriage is, how to have a marriage that sings, that is on fire, that grows. The Bible tells us how to bring up children. And guess what? Those were the principles that were in operation in most of the Western world prior to the 1960s. And in the 1960s is when we, we began to go off the cliff and we find ourselves now wondering where we are in all of the darkness of our culture. Marriage. I'm Phi Beta Kappa on marriage. Married over 50 years, swinging single for two years right here before you. <laughs> Never had a date, by the way. Married now, going into my fourth year. You wanna talk about marriage? Let's visit. And I can tell you, marriage, God's way is exciting, fulfilling, marvelous. And we learn, we grow, and we're gonna have a series beginning this next Sunday of seven Sundays we're gonna look at marriage from a biblical perspective, how to make it live and grow and be dynamic forever, as long as two become one. Biblical principles. And then we're gonna look at four times we'll study We'll look at bringing up children, rearing children God's way. I'm always learning about marriage uh, now from my wife. About three weeks ago, you know, she would cook and, and I decided to get up and do a radical thing and help take the plates off the table. There were just two of us. And I stayed in the kitchen and I helped wash dishes and it was good, and I did that for a series of days. And then one day she was washing all the clothes, changed the sheets, folding clothes. She cooked a delicious meal. The 
dishes were all in the sink, all there, the pots and pans. And I was standing in the kitchen when she went out to, to change the sheets. And I turned and sat down in a chair to the side, began to read a book, did not touch a dish or a pan. In a little while, she came back in. She looked at the kitchen, the sink, and she said, what happened to the dishwashing fairy? <laughs> well, I said, oh, so I got up the dishwashing fairy and I began to wash the dishes as I had somewhat the days before. Now, wives learned something from that. Most wives would have said, at least while I'm doing all the work and cooking, you could have washed the dishes. Get up, I mean, what's the, wives, huh? But my wife made it a humorous thing. What happened to the dishwashing fairy? <laughs> See the difference, ladies? Huh? Learn from that. Now, I'm going to teach the men something. I wish the ladies would not listen to this. I really do. Ladies, forgive me up front. But gentlemen, when you begin to do things and help beyond what you normally do, if you do it one time, you'd better do it from then on. <laughs> Just a principle. But we're going to talk about biblical understanding of marriage and the family. And at the same time at the church, we're going to do something else. We're going to, at the same time, be teaching our children. By the way, you need to know something about our church. From those who are 18 in number, we count everybody in all of our campuses every week. Not because we're interested in numbers, because we're interested in people. We love people. That's what the body of Christ does. But we have almost every week the same number of people 18 years of age and under as we do 18 years of age and over. It's 50-50 in our church. That is something. Our average age, I don't know, 26, 24, what that would be. That's not even counting those who are six and under in our church. So we are a very, very young body of Christ. Thank God. Now, the curriculum for our children, I want you to look at it, what they'll get if they're here this next year. They will get Genesis 1, Psalms 28, God made everything. That'll be in that category, Jesus loves me. That's this is birth through three, second year, there's the thing. The third year, God tells me to love others. That will be built in their lives one through three, birth through three, through music, through puppets, through activities, through examples, and when they're three, that's where they will be. Next year, if your kids are here, the scripture, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. Well, people say, I'm counting on that for my kids. Did you really train them up? in the way they should go. By the way, the word way there is singular. There's not a lot of way, no, no, no. It's singular, we'll talk about that. But this is what they'll get, one through three. Then that next section, they will get God made me for a purpose. 
We can stand firm on God's word. God wants me to live his way. They will get four through six, all of that in drama and activity and application in music and in scripture week by week by week. Look at those six and above. They will get, I'm in God's family. I will live and grow and know Jesus. I will tell others about Christ. I know the Bible is true. I want to know God's purpose for my life. This goes seven through 11. Next section, teaching our kids. Then we go into the Bible study area for adults. We will study the book of Mark, Matthew, Mark. Why Mark? Mark is the simplest one of the gospels. Someone becomes a Christian, I would tell you, first of all, read about Jesus, read the gospel of Mark. It is written in eighth grade Greek, therefore it is simple where all of us can understand Jesus in basic terms. We'll study Mark. And then we'll study the book of Genesis. That's the book of beginnings. It tells about creation and life and marriage, and it moves on how it was begun. We'll study Genesis. And then we'll study the book of Acts. It's the history of the church how the church evolved, and it went from a Jewish cult all the way into the entire world, the history. You see, as we go through this in Bible study, we'll begin to understand Jesus, we'll understand beginnings, we'll understand about how the church has expanded through the world. I curriculum for our kids, I curriculum for our adults, how it will coordinate with what we're doing in worship, in worship as I will speak about families, marriage, and then I will speak about kids. Somebody who's single saying, well, that doesn't apply to me. It especially applies to you. It especially applies to you because you'll be able to share, you'll be able to teach, you'll be able to understand, you'll be able to prepare for marriage, it would happen. We'll talk about blended families, how they operate as well. So this is a wonderful time if we want to move away from postmodern psychological parenting and postmodern bringing up our kids, we will understand biblical principles, biblical principles upon which to build our life. And I've discovered something. Those who build their life on biblical principles have life as Jesus promised abundantly, abundantly. Now, just as a little preview, let me say a word to parents, how to parents. This is a big, big picture before we get down to some specific, specific verses and specific applications. Parents, 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 parents. By the way, there are a couple of kinds of parents we'll have to attack the free range parent and the helicopter parent. We'll get to that, we'll get to that. But let's just talk generally. Parents, enter the world of your children. First point, enter the world of your children. What am I saying? Get out on the floor, play with them. Every moment is not teaching, imparting, challenging, growing. Just get down and play with your kids. Airplanes, cars. I've had a lot of tea parties with my boys. Oh gosh, no, yes. Teach them manners there. Just play with them. 
What do they want to be? I want to be a pilot. Man, fine, tell me about pilot. I'll be an attendant. Play with them. Learn who their secret friends are. I had an imaginary friend named Hessus. And Hessus and I did a lot of things. My son had an imaginary friend named Alice. And once he was being toilet trained, he was seated there and he was seated over to the side and the question asked, Ed, why, aren't you, why are you over the side? He said, don't you see Alice is there? <laughs> I mean, play their games, get down with them, get in their mind, listen to them as they play, let them expand their imagination. Folks, get down on the floor with your kids, play with them, very important. Enter their world, important. Important, vital, vital. By the way, time with your kids is not watching them perform. Oh, I went to the ballet and I have, is not watching them perform. No, get out on the floor, play with your kids, enter their world, understand, listen to them, get to know them, their imaginations. Man, it's thrilling to hear a kid imagine things, imagine things. Second thing, parents, Bring the kids into your world. What does that mean? It means that you take your kids with you when you can. It means they get involved in what you do. Uh, I took all of our kids to beach retreat way before they would go when they were very young and they just hang out with dad as I was there with teenage kids. Uh, I, I would take our kids when I would go visiting shut-ins. I used to, every Christmas, I used to go see every shut-in and all the churches I've pastored, bring them a, a flower and something to eat and, and it would be a thrill. I would take the kids with, take your kids with you, bring them in your world when they're young and let them just grow up with you. That's a, my dad did that with me. My goodness, he, he would fix things. He'd bring me and show me and help me like I was helping him fix things. We, he built a fence. He took me out there as a little child and helped me do, I was in the way but I thought I was doing a big thing. Bring your kids into your world. You enter their world, bring your kids into your world. And finally, merge worlds. That's the goal. The goal for parents is to merge your world with your children's world, and then you become friends. You become confidants. I talk to my grown boys every week. They give me advice. They give me counsel. Hardly a day goes by. They won't ask about something. I won't ask about something. You see, that's when the worlds come together. Enter your kid's world. That's fun. That's play. Bring them into your world. Let them see what you do, how you think, how you operate, build things and make things. And then hopefully those two worlds will Merge, that's maturity. That's when your sons and your daughters are your friends, your confidants. That's the goal, parents, the merging of two worlds. When two oceans merge, it's not a thrilling thing to see. I wanna show you something that I'd never seen before. This is when the Gulf of Mexico is merging with the Atlantic Ocean. There it is. The Gulf is dark, doesn't have very much salt. The Atlantic is, is clear and has an abundance of salt. Look at the Gulf of Mexico 
Galveston, uh, look at the water and look at the Atlantic Ocean. And this is an actual picture of when they merge. And when they merge, sometimes it is very, very violent in the merging. You can see it happening here down under the surface and sometimes on top of the surface. What happens? In the Atlantic Ocean, there's plenty of salt, and therefore where there's salt, there's more light. And the fish there are larger and more vigorous and more alive. Whereas in the Gulf of Mexico, the fish are smaller and slower. And if fish in the Gulf of Mexico, somehow in the merger of these two bodies of water, get in the Atlantic Ocean, they're immediately revived. You can see a different vibrance in them. By the same token, if the fish that were brought up and in the Atlantic Ocean get in the Gulf of Mexico, many times they die. A lack of salt, a lack of light. And I saw this and thought about this. I said, you know, this is the way we are. When, when two families merge, when our children, we merge with them as they grow and mature, if we have done it right, parents, if we have done it God's way, parents, we trained up a child in the way that they should go, not many ways. And we've done that in cooperation with the church and our family and how we loved our kids and how we cared for our kids and how we disciplined our kids. My, 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 there will be a merger of salt and light. You are the salt of the world. You are the light of the world. This is what this generation will become if we parent biblical ways, if we marry biblical ways. And what's going to happen is, cross your hands again, just naturally as you do, to go back to being married a biblical way, to go back to begin to parent a biblical way, we're going to have to change some stuff and we're going to have to reverse, reverse this. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to take God at his word and make that change so your marriage will sing whatever state it's in? And so your children will go up to be everything God planned for their life. It's going to take for most of us to be engaged in a new paradigm and make some radical changes.